welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life-changing message. Happy New Year, everybody. Exciting days, aren't they? It's always great to start a new year with a, with a sense of what God is going to do and a kind of a, a New Year rev- resolution. Revolution, that's what we, that's what we really need. <laughs> And uh, a New Year resolution, it's, um, you know, for, for the most part, most of us don't do re- uh, resolutions. And the ones of us that have done them or do do them, do them with a kind of like, you know, we do them, but we don't really believe in them. And uh, so um, for the most part, they're not really things that we particularly live by, but they are expressions of what we would like to see in our life and what we would love to see happen in our world. And, um, you know, I think that as you start a year, it's good to start as you mean to go on and, and create a, an atmosphere upon which you can build upon. Um, what we're going to do actually this year, um, we, last year was such a phenomenal year in the building of the church and, and uh, the, the uh, Route 66. We had so many amazing people go through the school and, and do such great things and and um, I know that God is enabling us to build and expand. Um, I remember when um, uh, Bob uh, Buchanan, who was our assistant pastor, Bob and Phyllis, they were our assistant pastors uh, many years ago now. Uh, they now um, are a part of a leadership team of um, a church in Belfast, uh, Paul Scanlon's church in Belfast. And uh, when they were here, I remember Bob always explaining that the strategy of um, the military strategy of a, a wider line and I'm trying to remember the uh, the great um, one of the great warriors of uh, uh, I think it was a Greek warrior and his ability to fight battles um, to succeed was the width upon which you can create your line uh, and not just the depth but you need width and and I really I've it's it's a word that's reverberated even if the details have been lost on me <laughs> it's a word that's been reverberated in my mind for years about developing ministry and leadership that has width and, and drawing more people into that width so that we have a, a wider stronger church doing more things and and I know that God is doing phenomenal things in the house amen and so we want to and want to do that and so um, as part of the setup for 2014, um, every Wednesday night, we're having a prayer meeting here in the church. Uh, rather than um, doing our, our midweek um, groups, we're going to be doing, um, we're going to be having a prayer meeting. We're going to pray um, for the year and pray. There are specific things we want to pray for, that, um, that we have wisdom to build the house, uh, that the church is pulled together with great um, purpose um, and that great strategy uh, is, is released uh, within the house. Uh, and that we are able to fulfill the great commission of preaching the gospel to those who have not heard and know that the love of Jesus Christ has come to touch their lives, that they may be truly born again. Amen? And, you know, I, I have said many times, we don't, I was saying at the end of last year, um, we don't want a, a soft gospel, we want a true gospel. Um, we want something upon which people can and discover the fullness of Jesus Christ. Amen? And know that they are truly saved and set free. So, this year, um, in fact, for this month, I'm going to do a series 
And instead of having a, a, a branded name for the series and something, a few buzzwords, we're going we're gonna to go a little bit more retro. And uh, so what we're going to do for this month is, um, and we may do this as a, a little bit different way of doing a teaching series. And, and I think that um, we, we'll see whether we do it again. Depends on whether it works. And, uh, <laughs> but what I want to do for this month um, is I want to take one verse and we will develop that verse by using all the related verses that work around it. And uh, so because the Bible is full of, the verses of the Bible are so interrelated and connected and they create so many different themes. And so I have one verse for the start of this year and for, uh, for January and for the whole of January, for all of the messages, morning and evening, we're going to be unfolding um, different aspects um, from different scriptures that are related to the first one. Does that make sense? Is that okay? You've got that. Okay, so we're going to start with this phenomenal scripture, Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, as we set out our year and we think about our year, we think about what's going to happen and what we desire to happen and, and the things that we are praying for and, and um, the things that we, we would like to happen. And we, we, you always come with a new year with a sense of hope, anticipation, excitement. And we set it out, but I wonder how much we set out a life of faith rather than a, a life of hopes or hope in itself is something which leads to faith but I'm talking about a more natural just desires of your heart the things of your heart the things you want to see happen and yet Paul speaks here about who he is in Jesus Christ and this morning I I want us to understand in fact for this whole month really I want us to understand that here we have a verse which kind of establishes who the Christian is who the person is who's given their life to Jesus Christ. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, when he died upon the cross, he took upon himself the sin of the whole world. And everybody who gives their life to Christ, their life dies on that cross when Jesus Christ died. Are you with me here? I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, the person that I was no longer exists. And that means that the person that is now is somebody else. Now, I've spoken a message before about the genius of who we are. Because when you give your life to Jesus Christ, everything changes, yet nothing changes. Doesn't it? Nothing. You know, from a natural level, you're still the same person. You have the same terrible sense of humor. You have the same habits. Um, that You make the same mistakes. Your intellect doesn't increase. Um, you, your health may not change, even though there is healing in Jesus Christ. The, 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 the events around your world still stay the same. You, you, you remain the same and yet something changes. 
spiritually changes, dramatically changes, and changes your destiny and the walk of your life. Yet, something about you hasn't changed. When Peter was touched by Jesus, he's walking with Jesus, and we know that Peter, he's famous in the Bible for being the one who kind of puts his foot in it a lot. He just opens his mouth and out it all comes. And yet, Jesus raised up Peter because he needed a man who was prepared to do that. Just open his mouth and let it happen. See, the, the, the problem with Peter was, was also the blessing of Peter. It was actually his genius nature. When Peter saw the, the um, man at Gate Beautiful who was a cripple, he didn't stop and think, I didn't bring anointing oil with me. He didn't look at him and think, oh, I wonder if I'm ready for this. He just said, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give to thee, King James. <laughs> you can tell what you're rooted in, can't you? It still comes out, even now. I've been trying to get rid of that Bible for years. I... <laughs> and he raised him by the hand and pulled him to his feet and healed him. That was Peter. That was his genius. And it was something about the transformation. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're, you're still the same, but somehow you're radically, completely different. Because the life of Peter, before that, he, wasn't, he was wanting to have faith, yet he didn't know how to have faith. And yet that, spontane- that spontaneous, that, that, that vibrant, that sort of person who just responded was the very genius miracle maker that Jesus needed for that man right there. And so we see that John, who was the man of love, who would just, he was a sop. He just wanted to love on everyone and just lean on them. It says of him, the one who leaned on Jesus' breast. Big girl. (laughs) He was just a sop. He was just, but it was his revelation of just loving people. He would have been the one that everyone loved. People would have laughed with Peter, been, been, but some would have been a little bit afraid. Everyone just would have loved John. They just would have loved it. Everyone would have loved him. He would have had, and it's like John was the, was the epitome. It was, see, it was in him. It was in who he was. But when he died in Jesus Christ, the fullness of who his genius nature really was came alive. And so Paul says here, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this is where I want to come to this morning. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. You know, I believe this is the definitive statement. One of the definitive statements of this verse is that the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith. Now, um, when I got into worship this morning, um, I opened up, and I, or you may have noticed, I like to open my notepad and just flick through what I'm going to say in case I've forgotten. And uh, I'm looking at my notes thinking, it's not all there. <laughs> and I realized that half, I don't know where they went, but they weren't there, so I had to rewrite them. And uh, <laughs> during worship, but it says that the life I live, I live in the f- flesh because 
Peter was still he was still Peter. John was still John. You are still you. You get up in the morning, your breath is still bad. It doesn't now smell of roses because you gave your life to Jesus. You have wind, that's worse. There, you, you, know, you have to shower every day. You know, you're still the same person. The life you live in the flesh, you live by faith. You see, the problem that most of us have is that we have put faith as this thing that we do when we need it for an event or for a thing that we want to have. But that's not living your life in the flesh. That's, that's having faith for a spiritual moment. When we come to church and we're in worship, we're in the Spirit. You know what being in the Spirit is like because you're in that rush of just feeling. And when you're in that moment, you can do anything. It's moments like that that you give Jesus everything in your confession. It's when you get home, you begin to regret that. You begin to think, what did I confess right there? I'm beginning to wonder. I'm not having that same feeling anymore. The worship was amazing and I just promised Jesus everything. Now I'm beginning to wonder what I said. You see, when we live our life in the flesh... And your flesh life is your daily life. It's the life you live when you go to work. It's the life you live when you're going shopping. The life that you live when you're with your friends. The life that you live in the everyday. And Paul says, the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith. Now suddenly, we're determining that faith means something else other than just believing for something. Because faith isn't just about what can I get? What can I receive? And the problem, the reason why Christians are failing to actually receive anything is because faith isn't a part of their flesh life. It's simply something which they try and hook into at a time of emergency or a time of need. You want... No one believes God for he Everyone believes in healing but doesn't have faith for it until somebody's sick and then suddenly it's like, mm, God, I try, I'm believing. No, I don't think you are. You're trying to create a feeling to stir up something when we were never walking in it in the first place. Paul says, the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith. In other words, I'm in faith when I'm with my friends. So faith must mean something more than just getting something. It must mean something more than just transforming an event into something which is supernatural in terms of, I believe God for money and now I got some. I believe God for healing and now I'm healed. I believe God that I received something. No, suddenly the life I live by faith, suddenly it's about the natural being supernatural. It's about the Peter in his genius nature still being the same Peter somehow transforming everything around him just by being Peter. He's not believing for an event. He is the event. And so this morning I just want to go through some of that process of, of what that means. In Acts 37, Philip was speaking to eunuch who was a, a uh, the eunuch who was a, a eunuch of great authority and 
he said to, he said to, uh, to Philip, he said in verse 37, he says, if, sorry, Philip said to eunuch, if you believe with all your heart, you may, which is, you may get baptized. The, the eunuch gave his life to Christ and he, and he wanted to get baptized. And he answered, the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, when he said that, what he was saying was, I'm not believing for an event. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was confessing Jesus over every aspect of his life. His confession changed every step that he took in his whole life from that moment on. Now, when you confess Jesus Christ, does your confession change every step of your life? The Philip was speaking to the eunuch who got down from his chariot, found some dirty old water, and got baptized. He created an action from a confession and was living a life in the flesh according to faith, not according to... To natural circumstances. It says in 1 Timothy 1, 18 to 19, it says this, this I charge, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. You see, Paul speaks to Timothy and he says to Timothy, your life has got prophecy written all over it. You know, there is, it's not good enough to have prophecy over your life. I've met too many people go, oh, I received a prophecy. Well, whoopee-doo. You know what? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you should have received a prophecy. We can give you another one today if you want, for free. We don't even sell them. <laughs> you know... You can have a prophecy, but a prophecy doesn't define you. What defines you is the life you live in Jesus Christ. A prophecy doesn't make you someone. Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight. In other words, the prophetic says this is the doors that will be open to you if you're prepared to walk in them. The life you live in the flesh. Walk in the ways which God has ordained for your life. In other words, faith is not about receiving something. It's about fighting for something. It's about doing something different with your life. Faith is about who you are and how you live your life. It's about how you walk in Jesus Christ, not how you sing your songs or or about what you say in church on a Sunday. You know... There's something I've I've always wanted our church to be, and I think we do. Our church is an expression of who we are seven days a week. So we don't have church on a Sunday that, that somehow creates this spiritual world that is not related to our spiritual life the rest of the time. I was brought up in a religious world that had two worlds. You had Sunday world, and then you had the rest of the week. And in, your Sunday, in my Sunday world that I was brought up, there was a... Sundays, you could only walk, but walk slowly. 
because walking fast, technically working. So, when you walk slowly, um, you didn't read anything other than the Bible. I was allowed to read also the encyclopedia. I'm not entirely sure why, but it's amazing what you can find in an encyclopedia when you're 12 years of age. And... And, and so we had this religious persona which was placed on our, over us that created, this is your Christian world and this is what, how you behave in church and this is how you look. Which is not faith. It's a facade. Yes. And so we want church to be the pinnacle, the celebration of who we are during the week but we want it to be deeply rooted in who we are. The things that make me like the things that I say on platform is the things that I say at home. Cheryl does try to... She succeeds a lot of the time too. <laughs> Just cuts me back a bit, for wisdom's sake. But we live a life in the flesh... That life must be constant and consistent in Jesus Christ every day of the week. And so, I discovered this, that faith isn't a feeling for something. Faith is a dependence on God. We create a faith for a feeling, but faith is about dependence if you live your life in the flesh by faith you're, what you're living in is dependence that God is going to be there in every step that you take when you're living your natural world that he's around in your mouth when you begin to speak to your neighbour you weren't praying before you met him you weren't just full of the Holy Ghost. Glory wasn't shining out of your ears. You were just walking past his gate when you heard him swear and he turned and involved you in his conversation, which wasn't godly. How many of you know have had those conversations? Suddenly, you're in the world's world. You're in those conversations and you're not being spiritual but you are living your life by faith in the flesh and God is your dependence he's the one upon whom you depend I love Hebrews 11 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen for by it the elders obtained a good testimony by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are Visible By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And through it, through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was uh, not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he... For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What was the faith of these great heroes? It was dependence. 
It wasn't for a thing or an action or an event or something which can be branded or put on Facebook. It was a simple dependence on God. Abel came with a sacrifice, dependent, living totally dependent on God. He came with a first fruit sacrifice to the Lord. Enoch walked with God every day and God was pleased with him. And that's all he did. We don't know what else he did. It just Enoch walked with God. You know what? We can overcomplicate our faith. Just walk with him and be dependent upon him. And the life which you live, you live in the flesh. You live by faith. And that is the the walk that we have. It says in Isaiah 50 verse 10, it says this. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? There's a question for you. Who walks in darkness and who has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Suddenly, we come to the fullness of living a life in the everyday. Can we determine within our heart, it's my desire for 2014, that the church is marked by great discipleship. It is marked by a deepening understanding of revelation of the word. And it is marked by an intelligent pursuit of the great things of God formed not by experience, but by the foundations of his word. We Experience comes from truth. Truth does not come from experience. The church has often created and had an experience and redefined truth by it. But experience, I remember one of the times I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was in my early 20s. We were married. I remember I was struggling with my business and I went to my pastor and I spoke to him and he just said, Kev, you just look miserable. I am miserable. He said, you just need the joy of the Holy Spirit. This is way before Toronto had copyrighted it. (laughs) (laughs) And, And he prayed for me and I walked away. Some hours later, I am just praying and I find myself on the floor. You know, in that moment, it's like, how did you get it? I don't know how I got down there. I don't even remember. You know, I'm lying on the floor, okay? It's, a, it's better than flying through the air, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But I was laughing like the funniest thing that, that had ever happened. I couldn't laugh anymore. Tears are rolling down my face and I'm laughing and I'm laughing and I'm laughing and I'm laughing and suddenly something began to break on the inside of me of the misery that I had felt in my heart because of my struggles with my business. Now that was an experience because of the work of the Holy Spirit. But that experience, some people will take that experience and create a doctrine out of it. You can't create a doctrine out of an experience. 
but you live your life by the word of God, if you live your life by the word, you will have far greater things happening to you than trying to repeat what happened last year and trying to mimic what somebody else happened to somebody else. I'm going to tell you, our God is a mighty God. He can do phenomenal things in your life. He can do extraordinary things. One of my great heroes, John G. Lake, you read his, t- his testimony and it blows your brain. You begin to wonder, you think to yourself, what can a man do if he seeks God? What was it that he did? I tell you what he did. He just sought the Lord for a greater touch of the Holy Spirit that he may know him, may walk with him. And he went out and he planted a thousand churches throughout South Africa. He, he, he saw great revenue, apostolic breakthrough, healing um, that, that broke through America. There was extraordinary things that took place. What can you do if you give yourself to the Word of God and you live your life in the flesh by faith? Let's stand up, shall we? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us your word to be our foundation stone. You've given us a truth which is unshakable, unchangeable, pure. A word which is rooted in you. For you are the word. And you became flesh. And so in our flesh, we yield ourselves to your word that we may simply live a life by faith. Father, do extraordinary things in us and through us. We pray for an extraordinary work. But we pray mostly that we simply live every day taking a step of faith in the everyday things the normal. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room. And I'm really speaking out. I believe there's some of you who've just struggled and you've yearned within your heart. You know, when your heart grows, it gets complicated. The things that you need to do is you need to simplify like a cluttered house needs to be tidied for it to be appreciated and sometimes our life and our world gets so complicated you've got to cut it right back to what is it all about this is what your life is all about it's about being consistently walking by faith in the everyday in those things, you will discover the extraordinary hand of Jesus Christ as he moves through you and touches you and does great things through you. Father, I pray right now that you touch this congregation. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, Father, for your hand that is upon us right now in your mighty name. All God's people said, Amen, Amen. God bless you.
For more information about the church, visit us online at www.thejunctionchurch.com or come along and see for yourself in one of our services.